G'day D's fans, you're with Stuba and the Crews and we're bringing you the D's Outsiders episode 6. Unfortunately we're coming to you after a devastating loss against the Swans. Really disappointing stuff. Uh, I know a lot of D's fans would have been just as disappointed as as we were Um, but in terms of the show we're going to run you a quick quick pod today going through what good there was, the bad, breaking down who's at fault, kind of looking at what the, co- the coach's comments could he had after the match and depicting if that's fair or not. Going through some of the comments from Gary Pert, does this change our finals outlook and a little preview into the Freo game, looking at what they did to Richmond, which was quite impressive. Well done, Bruce, Stuber. What do you reckon about um, what, what positives yeah. do you have? Yeah, look, the, there's, not, there's really not too many positives, are there? Um, I think the, the wingers worked well and Langdon other than that miss from 20 meters directly in front that would have put us within two goals and with five minutes to go other than that he almost didn't put a foot wrong so um, he he probably had his best game for the year I think Tomlinson um, maybe didn't have as many possessions as Langdon but also proved pivotal and um, even his ability to read the play and move down back knowing when to to run off his man and just at six foot four, six foot five, with his running capacity, has shown that if he, if you play him there on his natural position on the wing, that he'll be um, a very good acquisition for us for the next five years or so. Um, so they're probably two of the positives. I think Joel Smith is, is a player that I see in our best twenty-two. Either him or Oscar. I think you have to play at least one of those guys. But I just found it a bit puzzling that the players that Goodwin doesn't see in our best 22 and it was Joel Smith for 10 weeks. How, how on earth someone like Joel Smith is put on their best or most destructive forward in Papley. And, and whilst he did a good job um, curbing Papley for most of the game, I just don't understand how a guy that's not seen in the best 22 is, takes the responsibility on one of the, the best players of the competition. And he's done that with other players too, whether it be Jeddah might not have been in the best 22 earlier on in the year. Then when he brought him back, he played him on, someone with the extreme foot speed. So it just wasn't helping him. So I think it's just confusing that if you, if you, someone like that who played well, um, and I think he retains his spot, it's just puzzling that you don't play them. Then when they do play, that, that they're almost so vital for you that you need them to play well. And I think Joel Smith actually played well enough. He's not a guy that will get plenty of possessions, but his attack on the ball, his physicality, um, at times he has the tunnel vision when he has the, ball in his hands but yeah I think he was serviceable I think Petrarca was really good in that first quarter then almost fell away didn't do much I think Brayshaw was probably our best midfielder for the day hit the scoreboard as well and aside from Brayshaw in the midfield we were comprehensively beaten so I think that's all I can sort of speak about um, on the positive Stube have you got anything to add? He nailed it. He <laughs> touched a little bit on Nagy's, which is also good. Um, I also had Harms, um, which I know is a bit of a weird one, but he was put forward. He kicked a goal and he also had our most tackles inside 50. So that was a definite plus, having him create a little bit of pressure, which is something we've been asking for. Put some resting mids. Would have loved him in the midfield. And especially on Luke Parker, who was best on ground, having the most... Uh, score involvements as well as having two goals won and having some of the most disposals of the match. He was created far too much influence. And in terms of their list, you have maybe four guys that you need to look look for when you're looking at the Swans to curb and 
we just let them run right, which was pretty embarrassing. So it would have been lovely if they put in harms into the midfield as well to just break up the mix. If things aren't working, they certainly weren't working against the Swans. And I mean, in terms of clearances, it's not just about the four guys in the centre there. You have wingers and back guys off the um, half back and guys off half forward. Um, you'll notice if you go into the stats, a lot of the clearance stats, you'll see some ones and two clearances from guys who are either in, in Sydney's back line or forward line. And so it's not necessarily the guys in the centre, but it's the whole Swans have this swarm mentality and we didn't have anything to counteract them and kind of let them play their preferred game style for the majority of the match, which is pretty disappointing. But um, I did like our fight back in the last quarter. I mean, better late than never, but I mean, you can't be serious. You're playing a bottom four team and we're trying to... It's just super disappointing. Even if it was basically a four-day turnaround, you're playing a bottom four team like that. Inexcusable. Mm, and that's what I touched on in the uh, the last podcast, Joe. that if you're playing a bottom four team, you have to set the tone early and, and they generally uh, fall away. That's what happens. But Sydney um, jumped us early, kicked a few goals. We didn't look there mentally. Salem got tackled, cruising around in the midfield and, and, and Sydney just looked on from the outset. But I think on that, on that note, Harms was, was fantastic, especially in that last quarter. And I think that you'll find that he played higher up the ground and through on a wing, even at stages in that last quarter. And he was automatically involved in the play, laid a few tackles, um, hammered the ball inside 50 on a few occasions. Um, but it's just, again, puzzling why it's left to the last quarter when we're five, six goals down uh, for that change to be made. And then going to your previous point, I 100% agree with you with, with Harmsy. Going to your earlier point with the back line, I mean, they play a very small back line. We talked about this last week. This is something where, in our pod last week, where we talked about having either Oscar or Smith in the team to kind of let yeah. May and Lever have influence. The weird thing is they put both of them in this, into the squad. Yeah. As you were mentioning, we didn't have... And Smith was put on a guy who's half his size and Sydney recognising that that was a mismatch. They played... It seemed like they were putting Papley up the ground a little bit and he had a lot of... He had a fair few scare, score involvements. And so he was kind of taken away from the ground so that they could have more mismatches with too many of our tools who were on um, opponents who were much faster which made them look substandard, which wasn't a great look from a mixed point of view. So that was super mm. disappointing to come into a match at a disadvantage with your back line. And then the, in terms of forward line mix, we took away a lot of our pressure players in Vandenberg, Pickett, Hannon. And the only pressure player that you put in, Alex Neil Bullen with harms having spurts in the forward line. Mm. Left our uh, forward line mix having... Too many guys who weren't putting pressure on it. I think uh, Brown, Milksham, Jones. Spargo, Spargo all... provided a bit. Spargo laid a few tackles and, and created some play, but those other four guys, uh, like you mentioned, provided nothing um, from a and pressure. pressure and the pressure, if you look at the pressure acts and tackles, I mean, those guys were in the bottom for that, which is really disappointing. Even Sam Wiedemann, who didn't have much in terms of with the ball, he had he covered all of those guys in terms of his pressure acts. So that's super wow. disappointing. And Fritsch has been maligned in that point, but he had high pressure acts as well. So really disappointing. If the game style we're going to play is forward half pressure, lock it in, then you really need to have pressure players. 
or it's mm. going to fall down. And then Sydney just waltzed it out, even when we, in the last quarter, when something we've asked for for a while, if the team's getting on top and they have an extra play in defence, could he finally switch the magnets up, which was nice to see, and also even the numbers. But even then, Sydney was waltzing it out of defence, which was not a good sign. And, and, and it's just happening too easy. There's too many holes, too many gaps. And I'm not sure this zone, it's just not working. Too often, Lever looks like he's in no man's land. He's, he's not, not even a true loose player like when football was played 10 five ten years ago when you had the loose behind the ball i know it's not easy to do that with the six on six but he looks like he's half playing his own half trying to look who's in front half behind and it's always getting caught out and and it's, it's just not working so i'm just not sure how this how long until this is changed because you can't allow a bottom four team to just pick you apart like that from one end of the ground to the other because it was hard to watch. It was really sad because we are a talented list and to watch a bottom four team pick us apart like that, it was really hard to watch. And after the game, I, I, was, I was really flat just because it made me think even if we do sneak into the finals, it's not going to be um, a pleasant campaign if, if, if we continue down this path. No, very good, which leads us to our next point, the um, after-the-game presser where Goodwin had some comments about... Uh, the players not playing to our brand, which he said quite a bit, and not playing to AFL standard in the first half. Do you agree? Is it the players' fault? <sighs> Look, the players have to have some responsibility. That's no question. What I don't like about those comments is that Goodwin makes those comments with... It's almost as if he's making those comments, distancing himself from the player, saying, I've got a clear game plan this is a successful game plan. The players are not carrying that out. We need to try and get that communication in sync. Whereas I don't think that's the problem. And, and it's very, if that is the case, and look, I'm not sure if that's what he's thinking, but if that is the case, and that's very arrogant. And I, I just can't remember, and I think you may have mentioned this a, a few podcasts ago, that if you continually do that when, when you get beaten, the players will give up on you as a coach. And, that, that, and that's in any sporting code eventually that'll catch up with you and he'll find himself out of the system because the mids are getting beaten week after week after week. Now, you can't have the, the best Ruckman in the game, the best tap Ruckman and a, a midfielder bats so deep and continually getting beaten um, and, not, and, not have, and not make changes as a coach. I think the, the, the poor forward 50 entries, potentially that is more of a player's responsibility and accountability on field. But I think the coaching director should be the best kicks, whether it be Salem, whether it be Harms, whether it be Pedraka, should be utilised a lot more instead of Gorn just walking back off his mark and lobbing it 30 or 40 metres to a contested play. Like, why isn't someone running past him? Why isn't Goodwin saying, give the hands off, stop exerting unnecessary energy? Like, there's stuff you can do to mitigate um, the damage that's taking place. I'm... And I'm not even going to give credit for May going down forward to kick that goal in the final quarter. I think May, as a leader, just took it upon himself to do that and kicked a goal, hit the scoreboard, and felt that was our best chance of winning. So I think the only change that um, Goodwin made, other than sort of harms going up the ground, was Oscar um, going in the forward line, who competed really strong. He's not a natural forward, but he competed real, re- really well. Um, but other than that, he made no other changes. I mean, Petrarca, and a lot of people have said this, is the most, one of the most informed players in the competition. And Goodwin could not find a way to utilise him after quarter time. Like, put him, 
put him deep the way they did against the Saints. Put him, put him somewhere else. Get him involved because someone like that is a, is a proven match winner. So it was just baffling that he almost had no impact and couldn't get into the play and wasn't moved around all that much. So there's a lot of responsibility on the player's shoulders, no doubt. But there's still a lot of um, blame to be put on the coaches. So I don't like those comments. Yeah, I don't like those comments, um, especially after a loss. How about you, Stuba? How did you read that? I've got a channel bit of Stephen A on this one. You cannot be serious. You're joking, Goodwin. What are you talking about? You can't put players in a position where they're not going to be successful and then turn around and say, it's not my fault. It's... He's joking with himself because I mean, effort is about running and um, running to the right spots. It's um, about trying to tackle and it's 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 putting the energy. And if it's if the majority of the team is doing that, then it's not a player thing. It just isn't. If you select the wrong players and you don't get much out of them, I mean, great in hindsight, but Jones should not have played. And we've talked talked about this for a while, but like most people could have seen that coming. If you have a Effectively, a four-day break. You probably don't play players who are underdone. Obviously, it hurts losing Brayshaw. Um, he was the most influential mid. He was. Knowing that he's the most influential mid and he's the most he's the player that has the most outside influence of the guys that we typically run through the midfield, maybe mm. that's a sign you put another guy who's slightly more outside-oriented into the mix during the game, knowing that they're having the most impact. I mean, it's not rocket science. There's... And part of my issue is that Goodwin, we've, we focus on Goodwin and that's because he got rid of all of the good coaching personnel last year. Mm. I mean, you have Rawlings, you had uh, McCarthy, you had Jennings, who are all brilliant football minds and they've all left and now we've got the, the D squad. Mm. <laughs> uh, with, and they're not talking to each other and Richardson looks like he's had a loss of what to say. It's like... Play, play the system, as you said, or this system works or it doesn't. And we might flip the board when it's all over and done with. And I know we had some shots late and we missed some shots, but even if we kicked three goals in the last quarter, we still lose the game against the bottom four side. That's just not good enough. And this, is, this will rub salt in the wounds as well, Stu. We had a full list to, to choose from. Um, and the Swans had key players out. Franklin, Rampy, Heaney, and Mills. A bottom four team with their four of their most important players and they still <laughs> served it up to us. Which, which I guess leads us to the next point. And, this is, and I, I love that Gary Pert finally came out. You can't have Bartlett already used his ticket, so you can't have him come out again. But um, Gary Pert came out during the week and he was talking... It was interesting hearing him talk on the, um, on the Demon website. He described that... Our system is about more about the whole list and the whole system rather than individual performance, individual players or coaching staff he was referring to. And he referenced right. our game style being what we're trying to do is against what we did with the Hawks and the Pies as the beacon of what we're aiming at. And what I remember from those games is we were very dominant in the, in the contest. Pies, we evened it up after halftime and ran right. Really strong system in defence and a forward line structure which has high pressure but really effective ball use and going inside 50, which nice way to pick the cream of the top of our best games. But I'm not sure we're playing that system most weeks. Yeah, well, whilst I do agree with that summary, Stuber, I think the games 
those two games that are highlighted, the Hawthorne and the Collingwood wins, they're probably our two most complete performances. And I guess the collective was just so good. There were, I, I can't even remember standout performances. There would have been a lot of guys that played really well and played their role as well. And that allowed us to have strong wins on the, on the respective days. Um, what I didn't like about that is that why has it taken this long for Gary Pert to, to speak out? Um, because he's obviously a quality football uh, person. I know he, his role is the CEO and he's, he's done some great things behind the scenes as far as the, he did some work at uh, Alice Springs uh, in terms of the, one of the grounds there. And, and all, that's all well and good. But at Collingwood, he was a lot more vocal and, and used his, his football pedigree to, to benefit um, the Collingwood Football Club at the time. So I'm, I'm just a little bit frustrated that it's taken him close to two years on the job to, to be vocal. And because he's a well-spoken CEO uh, and a respected figure within the AFL, I would have liked him to have spoken out on behalf of the club a lot sooner. Um, so look, right now, he's like Bartlett doesn't really speak out. So we need someone, and it can't be Goodwin because I, I feel for the guy, he's not... By all accounts, he's a, he's a great bloke off the field in, in, in terms of relationships and stuff like that. But he can't speak his mind to, to save himself. He, he speaks in these endless riddles of we're missing connection and stuff like that, which you can't be saying that for three years. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> but um, you need someone who has a bit more nous, um, giving a bit more to the, I guess, the sponsors, the supporters, everyone around your football club. Yeah, and and just before we do uh, look at the Frio game, Stuba, um, under Goody, why do you think they have regressed as a playing group? Because I think we've we've mentioned this broadly, but why do you think these guys are potentially underperforming under Goody? I would say this is something I've seen across multiple sports. Generally, it's you have uh, coaches come into it, and it's usually rookie coaches. They have a certain mindset of how they want to play and we've seen this with some of our past coaches they have a system and regardless of who your players are they'll just this is my system and just run with that and even though Goody's had the team for a while and he's had kind of association with the recruiting staff to make sure he gets the right players he hasn't really nailed exactly what he wants and he's kind of shifted halfway through and so we're kind of with a list that doesn't really miss, match what he wants to do and what he has, as well as that he doesn't put our best players, if you put our best 22, don't match the system he wants to run. And then he doesn't fix that by picking a mix match of our kind of best 22 plus the guys that are required to fill out his system. So I th- yeah. that's that's my take. Yeah, right on, Stuart. And plus he's not playing players in their preferred position a lot of the time which yep, doesn't help. Does this game against Sydney, does that change your feel on our finals outlook? Uh, I, I, I think it has to, Stuber. I think the fact that we get picked apart, there's so many gaps, and, and the fact that we're selecting weak links, I, I, I'm, I just have no confidence heading into finals. I think, especially with a full list to choose from, and, and you could take out maybe a dozen players and put in a dozen players and there would be almost next to no difference. Like there's probably six guys that we've stated 
that should be in the team and six guys in the team that should be out. But you could put the, 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 another six guys that maybe not in the best team and that would even out with the six inclusions that we would include. So I honestly think the bottom six are really... They're not the reason why we're losing games against... The we're not maximising the top 10. Exactly. Or 15. Yeah. yeah, I think having played football at a competitive level um, in, my, in my sort of junior teenage years and even in uh, VAFA... Um, in the VAFA, I think the bottom six, the strong, the strongest teams are the teams with the um, the best bottom six players from the 18. So if you have a, a bad bottom six players, they can really make you underperform as a team. Um, because Petrarca, I, would say, I would say that our bottom six is if they select them properly, they, would yeah, actually be one of the top in the competition. It's think so. not maximising the top 15. <laughs> that makes us a really inconsistent side. Yeah, so I, I think... It, if you, if you choose your best 22, then all of a sudden the bottom six is weaker. But then, as you, as you rightfully say, if, if you maximise those key players, those top 12, top 15, whatever it is, um, if, if they're maximised optimally, then you're going to win more games than you lose, that's for sure. And at the moment, we're a 50-50 team. So. And that kind of goes through to our next match. And this is, in terms of our finals outlook, this is a make-or-break game. Because if we lose mm. this next game, Giants are starting to put it together. I really don't see us beating the Giants. And um, then who cares against Essendon, really? The Freo Dockers were really, really impressive against Richmond. That that scoreline had no reflection on the game whatsoever. I, I thought they really could have put Richmond away. Um, I'm going to read you some stats of what they did to Richmond, which is just super-duper impressive. So they had better disposable... F- disposal efficiency which Richmond has one of the highest disposal efficiency in the competition which is something that people might not know about them because they get it on the outside and then they they run away with it they Freo lost the hit outs to Richmond which is weird in itself 32 to 26 but clearances 38 to 19 Freo won that so that was nine to five center center clearances and 29 to 14 in stoppage clearances, the thing that should jump out at you is that's a lot of stoppages and that's a lot of wins at stoppages. And for D's fans who have been looking at statistics of D's for a few weeks now would know that we're one of the bottom sides in terms of clearances, both centre clearances and stoppage clearances. And so that should really leap out at you as a potential area of concern. And then where they lost the game was their turnovers. They had some really poor turnovers and a couple of poor decisions here and there, especially going to the half-forward flank where they lost it and uh, Richmond beat them on the other side. But if they cleaned up a few of those um, scoring chains and they have an extra day rest going into this match to Melbourne and they came up on the same flight, so they'll be cherry ripe against us coming off a four-day break with Sydney. Yeah, danger signs. Yeah, well done, Stuba. Um, yeah, look, those stats that you've just produced um, have me even more concerned because their backline is is so underrated, and the system Stacked. that Justin Longmuir has uh, implemented is just working wonders. So they've got their three key defenders out: Alex Pierce, Griffin Logue, and um, Joel Hamling, and their system is so strong. And given all the entries that are coming in, they've done an amazing job. A young backline. So and they also the they also have a guy in Reese Conker who took out Dustin Martin 
he played a brilliant role on him. So that's seriously concerning. If they're able to do that to Dusty, um, I imagine he could do the same job with Petrarca. And that's very, very concerning. Yeah, so that, that, that's what um, I suspect will happen. Conker will go to Petrarca. But I think that's an obvious one. We just play him in the line. Should Conker get the better of him? But that's no, no guarantee to happen even through the midfield. But I would probably look at getting Harms more involved and maybe even put him to... Put him to Fife, not even to play a hard tag, but to just play off of him. Fife is one of the best players in the competition. He'll naturally hunt the ball and he'll lead Harmsy to the ball. So I think that could be a great way to, to reintroduce Harms into the midfield. But I'm concerned about the height of the Frio Dockers, Stu, because that... That forward line, Hogan came in and he was clunking them like no one's business and starting to get his form back. He was just starting to click in that last quarter against Richmond and that's that should really spell trouble because they were just starting to get moment, wrestle momentum back from Richmond um, and starting to get a few more scoring chains in the second half with that dominance in the aerial battle. A lot more contested marks in the second half for Fremantle. So that that's really concerning um, and definitely can't be playing four tools for Melbourne this week. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting what the Goodwin decides, whether he continues with uh, Oscar and Joel Smith or what happens, because they do have some giants in the forward line, so it'll be very interesting. I I've think... got a big call, but I think if Melbourne loses his match, I think that's Goodwin's coaching career. Wow. He's out. It, it, it'll be this, this game... They lose against Fremantle. I don't think they'll make nine wins if they if that happens. And I, I don't. I think finals was a pass mark. And losing against two teams that are one of the two of the youngest teams in the competition back to back would be a really really poor look. If I was Goodwin, I'd be looking to make some serious changes in the in the midfield. Yeah. Um, I would pretty much take every single player out of the midfield, have them rest in the back line, and the half forward flank and I would manage Viney because he can't do either and I would put new bodies in there just because we need to be fresh against So I know we're a few days out Stuber it's a Friday afternoon I know we're playing Monday night but what would if some of those specific changes be if you were the the coach so I'd bring Hubert back Mm -hmm. I would take it's hard either it's either Smith or McDonald you take one of them out Um, I'd Take Viney out. I'm taking Mitch Brown out. I'm taking Melksham out. I'm taking um, Jones. Brayshaw, I'm saying he's probably going to be injured and I'm taking um, Wagner out. Yeah. I'm putting in speed. I'm putting in a lot. I, I want um, Vandenberg back in, as uh, Hubert, as I said. I want Hannon back in. Give me. Pickett Bennell? Give me all of them. Pickett Bennell. Give me Baker. <laughs> give me everyone who can challenge. Richmond beat them with speed on the outside. Um, give yeah. me all the guys who can bring it and to, and can burn them the other the other way. That's how we're going to beat Fremantle if we're going to beat them. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting how, how they do line up. But and also, um, I bring in um, either Jeddah or someone who can lock down to bring Salem into the midfield. That was my other change. Yeah, yeah and I think the fact that Jones is injured means that the the selection panel's hand is forced. It's a shame that, like, because Jones is a great guy and has been a, a great servant of the club, it's a shame that he has he's had to have injuries um, for him to not be selected. Um, and it's not fair on Jones that supporters are having to tell a great servant of the club to say, yeah. time, to, time to drop him. He should have, the coach should have helped him manage the time 
to make sure he was left the club on a high. Right now he's yeah, leaving at a bit of a low, which is really disappointing. I almost yeah. find that worse, playing him 10 games and playing him to the point where he looks past it than playing him six games and he was borderline. That would have been a much better approach. Yeah, and well done on um, resting Jack Viner. He just looks a bit exhausted given the, the way he plays. He just plays such a combative role and such an underrated player in so many respects. I know he's not a great kick, but he does a lot of the stuff in and under. So hopefully they do do rest him because... Um, this is the thing. If they, if they look to rest all the midfield and they give them kind of spot minutes as needed, so that you play Oliver in the forward line, you play Petrarca in the forward line. Our forward line looks immensely different and really aggressive and attacking. They're both animals in terms of uh, putting pressure on. They're very good overhead marks for their size. And so they're incredibly hard matchups. It would just change the structure in terms of having what we've been having in the last few weeks with Jones and Milksham and and Brown, who really haven't put any pressure on. It would just create new life. And it, it'll allow Wiedemann to finally get into the contest. The poor guy's surrounded by people who don't know what they're doing. Give him a chance. Yeah, and that that's a good point. I don't think it's all on Wiedemann. He didn't have a great game. He didn't hit the scoreboard. You know, a, a poor game by his standards. But I don't, you don't, he doesn't need the likes of Dermot Burden um, sort of taking pot shots at him. Um, they bombing yeah, the ball didn't... 10 metres away from him and exactly. he to run and get there. And then... You have Brown not putting a contest on and not running, and so he's busting his chops trying to put pressure on because Milksham's letting people fly out of out of the our forward line like no one's business. It's just it's just baffling. You, when you wonder why he doesn't have energy for offense, he's putting in all these hard yards because no one's putting any defensive pressure on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's really interesting how that all pan out, but their their backline's going to be. Hard to break through. So um, these cannot allow Freya to jump us like... Oh, right. So, yeah, they have Cox, Wilson, Hill, Ryan, Hughes. Um, I think they play... Is Monday's more their uh, midfield, isn't it? But he, he sometimes... But, um, yeah, those names, they're very, very strong. I think Blake Akers plays a little bit behind the ball as well. So And James Aisha. I think he's more wing, but sometimes plays a little bit on the back line. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got some serious talent coming off there and... They've got speed to burn around their tools with um, Schultz, Frederick, um, and Walters. So yeah. uh, uh, it'll be interesting who goes to Sunson. It might be Hibbert or Joel Smith. And I'd be wanting to tag um, Sarah as well. I don't want him to have any influence on the wing because he really cuts you up. He has very, very high disposal efficiency and can really pierce mm. you, kind of like the penetrated kicks of um, Petrarca. Mm. Brayshaw, yep, those guys. Predictions, it's, it's, on, Predictions? it's on the line, and for so this last week against Sydney, I fe- I effectively think this was a four-day break because we had to travel with Alice Springs. We haven't managed that well twice now, and this is going to be the the next game, which is a, another four-day break. I seriously don't think that Goodwin will make any changes whatsoever that are significant. I think there'll only be three to four changes, which is. I'd actually want to have close to 10 changes because I think they just need to freshen themselves up. So mm. based on that and based on Freo being pretty fresh and really buoyant after Richmond, I think we're going to get pants, really. I think it's going really? to be close nice. to a 25, yeah. 25 to 30-point loss to Freo. <laughs> no, Shiva. Look, I, I really hope you're wrong. Um, I, I, I just think we... I don't know. I think something with those... Uh, 
handful of A-graders that we have and some of those senior players, I think that they will turn it around. And regardless of the, the, the changes or the, the selection blunders, and regardless of the, the poor coaching at times, I think the players will somehow will us over the line. I'm predicting a Melbourne win by 11 points. I hope you're right, but in the same token, I hope I'm I'm right just so we get a change in coach because that's the only way this is going to turn around. And it's sad that supporters are actually wanting us to potentially lose for that reason. That's just terrible. But it's 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 something that if yeah, it's just one of those situations. In, in my defence, this year's a write-off. I don't. There's only one team in the recent history where Western Bulldogs, which have won it outside of the top four. I don't see Goodwin bringing us into the top four on a consistent basis in a way that we need to, to be a premiership threat. And if that's the case, move on. No, because you're right. You've got guys like May in his prime now, Gorn in his prime now. There's there's too many guys that are in their prime now. Petrarca and Oliver, Brayshaw, Vani are all entering that. So it it, it is... It's now or never. And with the stuff with uh, Clarkson under fire, I mean... Quick word, I, I wouldn't think that'd be very hard to get him across. Ross, the boss, is primed and ready to go. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go for any amateur coaches. We've had enough of that. We, this is... Oh, well, hang on, Stuart. We, we, might, we, we might win by 10 goals and we're, we're back in the finals picture. So we can talk about that at length should we lose to the Dockers this week. Okay, so... So all the guys who are ne- uh, negative Nancys like me, uh, get ready for that ch- that chat uh, next week. Well done, Stuart. So it's uh, always terrific to do this with you. All right. Same with you, Cruz. And that's been another edition of D's Outsiders. Thanks so much, guys, and look forward to chatting with you in a few days. Good day. Ciao.